I used to be a very timid, negative thinker and people pleaser. Then my relationship with God changed all that around. Now I have this podcast called The Essence of Life, where I share with people about various aspects of life. For example, your health, finances, personal development, your relationships, and of course, your spirituality. And just how you can balance all of these things together to live the abundantly blessed and balanced life that Jesus came for you to live. John 10.10 tells us, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came so that you can have life and to live it to the full and to enjoy it. If you would like to know more about this podcast, please subscribe for more content on living the abundantly balanced life. Sebo, sounds good. God bless you. Hi, Essence listeners. So my prayer journal is about to be released. Definitely something to look forward to. Along with my latest book, The Essence of Life, God, Them and Me. Be sure to grab a copy on Amazon or in Antigua. And also my very first book, Walking a Two-Way Street, Examining the Both Sides of the Story Before Making a Decision is available. As I continue this journey of my writing, you can also check out my blog, netishaali.blogspot. Check it out and you can see so much more inspirational and educational content to help you live the abundantly balanced life. C'est bon? Sounds good. If you are married and you have made the decision to give your heart to God and to receive his gift of salvation, to renounce the world and to walk circumspectly with God as your guide and your lead, please understand that if your spouse does not agree or follow suit immediately after you or together with you, this could pose some issues. However, God is faithful and if we try our best to communicate with our spouses, speak about the decision and do it in a form that is calm and comes with the peace and joy of the Lord, I truly believe that God could just make it a domino effect where one will help to save the other and by exchange, the entire family. Keep on listening for more tips on how to handle this type of situation. I have seen many women receive the gift of salvation and become extremely excited, so much so that they want their husbands to follow suit. I understand this to a certain level. It was always my prayer as a young woman growing up to marry a quote-unquote Christian man and to be in church on a regular. That's why I constantly tried to bring my boyfriend to church. However, What happens when the husband doesn't share in this newfound excitement that you have and has found every reason not to join you? What can be done? Where do you go from such a point? Two scriptures come to mind when I think about this issue. One, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live in darkness? This is the most common one I've seen wives quote 
when they have given their lives to God and they're ready for their husbands to follow, but they do not do it. The saved spouse begins to think that they are unequally yoked, even after years of marriage, and that their husbands are simply unclean. I have literally heard and observed that this is how these wives think, that their husbands are no longer clean or as pure as they are, and they are now the pure and holy ones, and the husbands are, I'm not even sure what the word would be there. This mindset can create a lot of issues because what is happening now is you have a rise or a sudden change in the marriage in difference of opinion and different belief system. It's like arguing religion and politics, which a lot of people prefer not to do. So this mindset can create a lot of issues in the marriage and the saved spouse can become judgmental you begin to judge your husband and tell him oh you're not doing this and you're not doing that or you begin to nag at him do you seriously think that when god decided to allow you to get saved and receive his gift of salvation that this was his plan for your marriage that this is what he wanted it to do that's the type of fruits he wanted it to bear this could never be God's plan because God doesn't separate, especially a marriage when it is designed to show his level of commitment to his church. So I would like you, if you are one of these wives, to rethink your position as the saved one who is trying to get your husband to follow suit. I have learned actually in a very early stage in my walk with God that the excitement that you get as a new believer, man, it's, a, it's an amazing high. It makes you want everyone around you, especially those you love, to experience it. But this cannot be done by force and commanding it. Oh, you must get saved. Oh, you're not saved. And we just consistently want to push and push and push. It is much wiser to actually allow God to renew your mind and to sanctify you so that his fruits can be born through you. And then when others see the truth of God in you, then they will desire what it is that you have. In other words, don't just tell others that God is the best choice just because you got saved and you want everybody else to join you. But show them. Show them by your love and life that you live in God. And they will know that you are truly, truly a child of God. Because the scripture says, by their fruits, you shall know them. So instead of becoming the drill sergeant who's like, oh, you need to get saved, it's best and whatever. You need to shift that energy and attention towards developing yourself as a new believer in Christ. Seeking the wisdom of God, seeking the insight of God, strengthening your relationship with God to the point where his presence begin to flow through you and fill you so strongly that you can now respond to your unbelieving spouse in a certain manner that will convince them that God is truly real and truly the best options. As people would say, action speaks louder than words. God was very patient with you and I want us to remember this when we are we are becoming judgmental and critical of our unbelieving spouse. God was patient with you first. He was patient with you before you made the decision to be fully committed to him and to become saved and receive his gift of salvation. And so freely you have received from God. So now you should freely give unto your spouse also. Because instead of seeing your spouse as unequally yoked 
are not holy enough like you are, it's time for me to give you a different perspective on this whole situation. And this could be extremely serious to the point where you don't even think you should have sex with your husband because you don't think that he's pure enough to now join with you sexually. This is an extremely, extremely divisive situation that we need to target and we need to shift our perspective on it and seek the face of God on it. Let me share another scripture. The second one that comes to mind when I think about the married to the unsaved spouse is 1 Corinthians 7 verse 12 through to 16. And it reads, to the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to leave with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. Now, I just want to stick a pin here because since I became a believer in the beginning, it was rough with my family and our relationship because they didn't have a good understanding as to the new walk that I was taking. But I must say my family has come to a place now where they give me so much respect and we have learned how to tolerate each other. There are certain things that they do not do around me and there are certain things that they don't share in my space because they know, okay, now she is on a different path. And I believe that if family members who genuinely love you enough has agreed to continue to live with you, even your friends could do that even if they are not saved and i have friends who still do it as well or even if they see you are saved and they are not the point is because they love you they respect you and they cherish you they find ways to live with you and this is important that paul is saying that if they are willing to live with you you must not divorce verse 14 for the unbelieving husband has been sanctified, which is to be made holy through his wife. And the unbelieving wife, again, has been sanctified through her believing husband. So the one who is holy in the relationship now, because you commune with your spouse, you are also bringing that level of holiness unto them because of the sanctity of marriage. And Paul continues to say this, and he says... Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. You understand? It's not saying that they will become saved automatically because you are saved, because saving and receiving the gift of salvation is still a personal choice. But because the sanctity of marriage needs to be kept, then the person that is unbelieving will also be regarded as holy. So the children, in turn, that will come from this marriage is also holy. And he continues in verse 15 and he says, But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. God has called us to live in peace. Come on. We, we must aspire to have peace in our homes in particular. We must aspire to have peace in our minds. There's too many things that are designed to take away that peace that God gives us. Verse 16. How do you know? wife whether you will save your husband or how do you know husband whether you will save your wife and that should be the aim so let us first take the, the first half of this scripture where it's telling us and paul is telling us that because you are now saved your spouse is now prone to this level of holiness because of you however you could still create an atmosphere 
based on your connection with God and your true relationship with him that could lead your spouse who is unsaved to become saved. The point that Paul is making is that the purity of the marriage is not contaminated by the unbelieving spouse. This is according to Brett Kutcherville. So he's saying that Paul is making that point that the purity of the marriage is not contaminated because of an unbelieving spouse. Why is that so? Because the power of God is stronger than darkness. So the fact that you have become saved, the sanctity of the marriage continues because the power of God is now manifesting and dwelling much stronger. The spouse is not defiled. So stop thinking that your husband, or well, if it's the other way around, because I know guys listen to this as well, that your spouse is now unclean because you are saved and he or she is not. And that Paul is explaining that, that the spouse is not defiled. The spouse is not to be considered contaminated or unclean. So ladies, gentlemen, please pay attention to this mindset. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Your husband or your wife doesn't automatically become unclean, contaminated and defiled just because you got saved to the point where you are feeling so disgusted by them because they are not coming on that same walk with you at the time you want them to. So now you feel like you are at some kind of level above them in the sense that you must dictate that they get there or you give them an ultimatum. This is very important, very critical. The relationship, again, as Mr. Brent continues, is not impure. Paul proves this point by saying that this kind of thinking would mean that your children are unclean also. So if you're saying that you're in a marriage and you got saved and your husband is not unclean and defiled and contaminated, then you're saying your children are also that way. The simple point is that there is nothing sinful about this relationship. This is an eye-opener for some ladies. I know this. There's nothing sinful about that type of relationship. Stay in the marriage. Do not divorce even if your spouse is not a Christian. Now we understand that this is a, a difficult situation to be in, especially when you're itching with excitement and you want your entire family to be saved. But much like God gave you the time to come to him and make the decision, you must know as the one who is saved in the, in the relationship, in the family, to go down on your knees and persistently seek the face of God for your family and your spouse so that they too can see through your love and the power of God in your life, that it is the best decision for them to make. The point is we have to work towards keeping the marriage together. And so I will step into how you can continue to pursue the marriage and keep it. I just want to share a few tips with you. Um, everything we share is not basically written in stone and be like, okay, Natisha said this is what you have to do and we must get it done. It's not grounds for, again, more commanding, but it's, it's an eye-opening experience with information to guide you on some of the decisions that you can make to maintain that marriage and keep the relationship remembering that the marriage is not unclean or defiled because one person becomes saved and remembering the aim is to keep it together despite of whatever it is the first thing i want to share is remember your vows when you stood before God, your pastor, your congregation, your witnesses, you said for better or worse and the sanctity of marriage in the sight of God. So remember these two things, your vow and the sanctity of marriage in the sight of God. When God spoke of marriage, it's not just a relationship between a man and a woman, but it's designed to emulate his commitment to his church. God doesn't walk away from his church because we stop believing in him. 
in the Old Testament, he showed many times over that he did punish his people who turned their backs on him. And he did do certain things when it comes to that for correction's sake. But he continued to persist to maintain a relationship with his chosen people. So it's healthy for us to understand that God doesn't walk away from us because we backslide. God, if God had to really walk away from some of us, we would not even get a chance to become a believer in him. So we must think of it that way. Remember, hey, I made a vow that for better or worse. And, and that means that now that I'm saved and my husband is not, then that means there might be some challenges, but I'm going to prepare myself for the worst part. And I know that God is on my side. God is under angels, the majority. You and God are the majority. And that God is faithful enough to take you through that difficult situation. Secondly, if your new walk with God wasn't always part of the relationship, like for example, you've been married for 10, 20, 15 years, and then you decide to become saved, you need to look to God for direction. Because you have to understand a newness and a, a new decision has been made that now enters the relationship. It wasn't always there. You guys used to party all the time together. You guys used to drink your rum together, live dangerously as much as you wanted together without limits that you think you needed to have or you don't need to have. And now you have made a decision to change that. People deal with change differently. And so when you are making the decision to become saved, you have to understand that this level of change is going to bring some form of contention possibly in the marriage it just depends on the spouse and the spouse's position on that decision that you are making but it's important to be mindful of it one of the things i pray to god is that if there's a situation that i cannot change and he's allowing it to persist that he just gives me the wisdom and the strength to endure until he gets it to the point where it's going to become something that i truly want so you, you must now seek the face of God consistently for direction and wisdom on how to navigate that kind of relationship with the differences. Pray and seek God a lot, a lot consistently. And remember, there may be contention, there may be disagreements. These things could arise, but see past that and see the bigger picture while being patient with your spouse. Remember, Corinthians 13. Ooh, we read it at almost every wedding. Love is patient. And if God is in you, then he begins to teach you how to be patient with your spouse. You gotta give yourself and your, your spouse some time and some patience to get to that place while you, you nip in some encouragement in between. The third thing I would like to share is as a tip is view it as a ministry. We all have different ministries and we, some people tend to think that the only ministry is to become a pastor or to become a pastor's wife, become a worship leader, you know, functional members within the church. But it's God first, then your family, your marriage and your spouse, and then your ministry. So you can now view this as an opportunity to minister, to win a soul for God. And you have the advantage because you know your spouse on a deeper level than the person who is out there that you are trying to get saved and you have no idea who they are. You have the upper edge because you know your spouse. You know what makes them tick, what makes them angry. So use that information to your advantage to help them and to win a soul for God. God can use your example and your faith to communicate his love and grace to your husband and your children who may not be saved. So most importantly, do your best not to get a divorce because Paul admonishes us not to. 
God would prefer if we didn't because there's nothing that God cannot fix and change around. Sometimes we just don't want to give him the time to get it done in his time because we want it and we want it now. But we need to give God the opportunity to work. If God could save you, he could save your family, he could save your spouse and bring that extreme joy and completeness to the marriage. So the only thing that Paul says further down is that if it gets to the point that both of you agree that it's absolutely the final choice that okay this is the belief it's not going to change then you can consider after careful careful prayer and supplication fasting counseling and and I like to say these things because the last thing I want to say to anybody is to get a divorce I know that situations can get very difficult and challenging, especially marriages, especially those who are in God, because the enemy doesn't want family. But there's so many more consequences and pain that will occur in a divorce because it leads to sin and it leads to destruction. So I hope these tips help you. Remember your vows better or for worst remember god doesn't turn his back when we make a decision to commit to somebody come what may we're keeping our commitment if you're a new walk with god wasn't always there remember that it's a change that the marriage now has to deal with and endure and so you need to lean on god and lean on more people of god who may have gone through the situation for example for encouragement for support so that you can go through this season pray and seek god often and view it as a ministry to win a soul for God. I've seen it happen and it is possible. Don't give up. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And I pray that for everyone who's currently in this situation, you are a believer, your spouse is an unbeliever, I'd like to just share this. Please, when you make a vow to be married to someone, your commitment to them is not just for one day but it's also for when things are not going the way they should it's not just for when everything is all well and good but it is especially for when they are not this is what marriage is it's a deep level of commitment and for those of you who are still single i want you to consider all of these things because this is a situation that could be avoided if you would prefer to date someone to court to get married to someone who's already a believer. I know this episode is going to bless you if you would take in the right information and I pray that God will discern the information that I'm sharing through this because I know that he has allowed me to share it and I pray that your understanding will be to what God wants you to understand because it is my dream and my desire to see marriages in God prosper, to be abundant and to be enjoyed as God intended that people will not give up on each other easily I just had an episode with Dr. Dennis Charles who's celebrating 30 plus years of marriage with her husband and the tip that she gave at the end of the episode is do not give up do not give up on your marriage you can check it down in the list below it's called journey to one she even wrote a book about it we're looking forward to grabbing a copy extremely soon so Please do your best, do your best to work through this. And again, I offer myself as someone who could help to encourage you and help you to make wise choices that could make your marriage become the one of abundance as God intends for it to be. Because like the scripture says, 
it could still work out for your good. God could still have his hand on it and your spouse could still become holy and saved if you would make the right decisions instead of becoming someone who condemns and judgmental. These are not the qualities of God. These are not the fruits of the Spirit of God. So see you next time on the Essence of Life podcast. Please remember to share this. Thank you to all those of you who have been listening. I want to give a special shout out and welcome to Tanzania, who is now connected to the podcast. Very much appreciate it. Very much appreciate the love. You can connect with me also on my Facebook page, Netisha Ali Grant's The Essence of Life podcast. You can connect with me on Spotify as well and wherever podcasts are played. Remember, leave a review, leave a reaction. God bless.